Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. We have a guest with us today, Pastor Jason Garwood uh, from the Cross and Crown Church in Warrington, Virginia. And the Warrington Declaration is a document that came out, oh, what, about a month ago or so? Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it was kind of uh, birthed, for lack of a better term, uh, in the Cross and Crown Church there in Warrington. And um, we, I'm pleased to have you, uh, Pastor Garwood, to talk about this because um, I've had a few people reach out to me who are listeners and say, hey, you really need to get someone to come on and talk about this Warrington Declaration because uh, there's there's not a lot of um, parachurch ministries, organizations, uh, even big names that are saying clear things to help the church navigate some of the issues that we faced in the last year in regards to uh, shutdowns and masks and all the rest of it. So I'm hoping you can provide a little clarity for us today. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, John. I, I appreciate you having me on and I'm excited about this. I've been doing quite a few interviews on it, so it's exciting to see it kind of take off and and it's encouraging to see a lot of people pick it up and sign it and, and help us share it. So it's uh, it's worthwhile for sure. Yeah, well, that's awesome. So you that's a good thing to start off with. Just you're you're seeing some fruit already. That a lot of people are is getting passed around and people are actually getting excited and signing their names and using it to think through this. Yeah, LifeSite News picked picked it up and did a really nice article on it, uh, which is kind of funny because it tends to be more Roman Catholic. Um, but they a lot of people in the comment section and you know, people that I've seen share it have said, Oh, this is great, you know, even from the Protestants. So it's kind of funny to see that. Um, but also I did an interview that, uh, with, um, Alex Newman from the new American and he, uh, helps pushed it up, pushed it out there too. He has quite a, quite a big audience. So it's neat to see Tim Brown from sons of Liberty radio as well. Um, yeah, so it, it's, I praise God for the opportunity for sure. Yeah. Well, we're hoping to, um, bring more attention to this because I mean, it, it, it looks like you're doing some pioneer work here in a way, and, and it's work that a lot of people don't want to do. And, and we, maybe we can get into that, why this is something that uh, a lot of people are shying away from. I think it's kind of obvious, but um, you say uh, what the, the declaration says in the preamble, it says um, the warrant, uh, it, let's see here, if I can, it's maybe I should get some context. The last two paragraphs, um, uh, talking about the mandates, policies, et cetera, that have been going on in, in uh, regards to COVID. And then it says, to this end, the Warrington Declaration on Medical Mandates, Biblical Ethics and Authority was created. And this is the purpose in order to provide clarity on these issues moving forward to equip local churches and their officers in providing clarity on where they stand and to assist individuals who are being mistreated in their churches with a well-ordered summary of belief in this regard. And I say amen to that. We need that. So why don't you help us out here? Um, let's just kind of like uh, take the 30,000 foot approach here. And briefly, in the last year, we've seen churches shut down. We've seen the government impose restrictions in churches. You can't sing. You need to wear masks. You need to have all this social distancing if you are going to meet. Um, but in Canada right now, you can't even really, you, you can barely meet. The restrictions are so outrageous in some places. Um, I think there's a sense in which many Christians feel like this is wrong, this isn't normal, this feels off, uh, but they can't maybe articulate biblically why they they feel that way or why they think that way. Um, could you give us just kind of like the from the thirty thousand foot view, what what is off? Why do people feel off about what's happened in the last year? Sure, yeah, that's a that's a good question because um, if in in some ways I, I kind of liken it to 
the, the, the child who goes to college and walks away from the faith and the parents are wondering, you know, what happened? How did the, how did college ruin my child? And, and uh, I heard this somewhere, I, I can't remember where, but they said, well, it's not so much that they lost their faith. It just revealed what was there. And I think that the COVID situation, the lockdowns and the medical mandates discussion and all of these things sort of took everybody by, by surprise because of the fact that we hadn't really, one, we never really had to think through it before. It's something that's been unprecedented for us in our, in our generations, uh, even the older generations. Uh, it's been, you know, a hundred years since we've had something like that with the Spanish flu. So we're sort of, I think we were caught flat footed mostly because it's something we just don't think through much. Um, but it's, it's, it's telling, I think it re- revealed a lot of where the church is and where she should, where she wasn't <laughs> when time came and where she should be and that sort of thing. And, and um, Peter says, judgment starts with the house of God. So I want to be careful because I'm not trying to disparage or besmirch the people of God at all. I, I just think that we need to be thinking through these issues. And, and part of the problem, honestly, is I think it's, we have sort of a neo-Platonistic uh, dualism that has crippled the church, um, mostly through a form of pietism, where we sort of elevate the quote-unquote spiritual things, things like Bible reading and prayer and church attendance and those things, which are, again, good things and pious things we should be doing, but we elevate them, and thus we have really no meaningful things to say about the material part of the universe. And so the, the church has been not involved in these discussions for a long time. And, and this medical crisis, this is something I've been preaching on for a while. I, I wrote a book, Health for All of Life, that came out last fall, uh, trying to deal with these issues because I had seen them in the vaccine discussion. Um, I don't mind being dubbed an anti-vaxxer. I, I just don't I, don't. I think the science is faulty. Um, I, the COVID vaccine, if you can even call it that, is a problem too, for various reasons we can get into later, I guess. But I I bring that up because this is stuff that we've had to think through as a church as well Is how do we, how should we be thinking about health? You know, if we preach and teach a faith for all of life, which is what, what we do at Cross and Crown, we, we should be involved in certain things. Maybe the Bible does say something about the prison system or the drug war or immigration. Um, You know, how, how do we take the Bible that we've been giving and, and we know it's inspired by God. We know it's profitable for teaching and training and righteousness and reproof and correction and all these things so that we can be equipped. So if that's true, then where do we go with it? What, maybe we need to be having a discussion in the, in the health arena. And I think we've already seen a problem with the medical industrial complex anyway, with pharmaceutical companies making billions off the backs of people, um, having really no cure and answer for things like heart disease or uh, things like cancer and so on. Um, so it's kind of a situation where we've sort of just not been involved in it and now it was put right in our lap and we have to deal with it. So I think it just took people by surprise. So, um, when, when you, so crafted this, I'm just going to pull a line from it here. It says that we affirm the scriptural jurisdictional limits of delegated human authority are established and they're good and necessary. So you're affirming, Hey, there's government, there's a place for government here, but at the same time, um, you warn about ascribing total jurisdiction to any human authority, and you call that idolatry. So you can explain that to people. How did you, did you see examples of that in the last year where you think, okay, there's churches or Christians who are treating maybe the government like an idol? And what, what does that look like? Sure. I think pietism breeds statism. Statism is the, that's the word I would use that we were getting at with that sort of language is 
um, ascribing total jurisdiction, total infallible jurisdiction, which belongs to God and the triune God himself. Uh, God himself is infallible and without, not only does he not have any errors, it's not possible for him to err, which is part of the doctrine of scripture. And so this idolatry, though, of elevating the state and giving it basically unending power where they can do whatever they want and say whatever they want. And it's not like all of a sudden that just happened either. It's sort of like the Marxist discussion about right. um, the critical race theory discussion where they show up to these school boards, when, which is funny because, well, the, the public school system is the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto. So you're arguing against Marxism in a Marxist system. So it's kind of funny. Um, but, but it didn't just happen. And that's the thing. It didn't just happen. Um, all of these things were allowed to happen, permitted to happen. Churches sort of rolled over and said, yeah, okay, um, we should just do whatever the government says. And, and I get it. Maybe early on, people just wanted to see, okay, what is this thing? This is new. Maybe we should take time. And I think there's wisdom in being judicious and trying to you know, be shrewd about things. Um, but at the end of the day, is this sort of too weak to flatten the curve? two years to flatten the economy thing sort of spun out of control. We really reacted poorly. We didn't show up in time. We were a little bit Johnny come lately here on, on these issues. And so statism itself is really, I, I see it, it, it. Think of it like this. We sort of gave birth to statism uh, throughout the years, maybe even pre Lincoln, but especially after the civil war, sort of a, fe a centralized federal power. Right. And it's just grown and grown and grown. And, and now here we are and we have to eat the ugly fruit of it. <laughs> so yeah. it is an idol, though. I think it's a huge idol that we need to be preaching against. And that is statism itself. I remember I heard a preacher years ago say when uh, a tragedy happens or something that people are afraid of, like a hurricane or something, um, that's when people cry out to their gods. And uh, lately, the god does seem to be the federal government. Somehow FEMA come rescue us. Um, and it's, you know, there's, there's not, there's, there's diminished or less of calling out to the one true God, the triune God of scripture and a lot more, even uh, professing Christians calling out for help from, from the government. Um, and, and certainly, so, so we can see this probably, we can chart this if we probably, you know, had, had the resources to go and do all the research and find examples over the course of years, this slide, but this last year, we probably see a big acceleration in mm -hmm. the blind faith given to government and just the the ascribing of good pure motives to them and um the vaccine you just mentioned or uh the non-vaccine i don't even know quite what to call it because i know it's not really a technically yeah. a vaccine the way the vaccine's supposed to work it's it's a new uh, rna technology but um many Christians, we, from like the Gospel Coalition and from many parachurch organizations, uh, people encouraging Christians that this is what you need to do. This is what it means to love your neighbor. This is what, um, it, this is part of your duty as a good Christian in society. W what would your response be to them? Because all they're trying to do, it sounds pure, is love their neighbor, right? Loving your neighbor is trying to prevent an illness from spreading. And why would you be against that? Yeah. Well, I'd say I'd be against that for two reasons is one, you don't get to just define love willy nilly. Um, we know from Paul in, in the book of Romans chapter 13, that right after his description of what a civil magistrate should be, uh, a pros he's prescribing the role of the magistrate and he goes on and around verse 10 and he says, look, love is the fulfilling of the law. So 
love is love and law go together. It's something I preached on recently. Love is not love. You've seen the sign, right? In this house, we believe love is love. And we really should be saying, well, no, we believe love is law. <laughs> and because the, the apostle Paul ties that together uh, throughout the letter to the, to the, to their Christians in Rome. Um, so love, love is the fulfillment of the law. So I, I, I wouldn't, uh, and this is sort of toward the end of the declaration, but we don't want to just say, well, because the CDC said you need to get vaxxed, that's loving your neighbor. I, I reject those presuppositions completely. Um, I've seen the Gospel Coalition stuff. We've interacted with Joe Carter or tried to, attempted to. Uh, there was some foul play, I think, in some of our interactions and uh, just trying to get an honest discussion on this issue of vaccination, especially mandatory. Uh, you're in Virginia, I'm in Virginia. The, the health commissioner, Oliver, he was trying to, he was talking like they were going to try to mandate it in Virginia. I even testified to the Senate committee a couple of times and said, this is un unlawful. You can't do it. So when you treat the commandments of men uh, or the traditions of men, rather, as the commandments of God, then we have a problem. So I would I would you know, I would reject that definition that loving your neighbor means you have to do this. Um, it it kind of goes back to I mentioned my book, Health for All of Life, kind of go into these presuppositions where, you know, if we have a Darwinian view of the world, man is basically a machine, right? He's a machine to be tamed and controlled. Uh, there was a video on CNN of, uh, I forget her name now, all of a sudden escapes me, but the former president uh, or CEO of Planned Parenthood was talking about how we need to make life difficult for the unvaccinated. And, and here is a naturalistic person who believes in Darwinianism, say, freaking out about a virus, and now she's bullying everybody else. And so that sort of worldview, though, is there. So we're not talking about just the vaccine. We're talking about the worldview that's behind it. Is man made in the image of God? Did man create an immune system, a lymphatic system, a circulatory system? Did he create these things for us so we could um, be healthy and so on? Then yes. And if that's true, then I reject the germ theory of disease. Um, I, I'm in the uh, terrain theory. I'm, in, uh, I'm not in the Louis Pasture camp. Um, I, I don't see any... Uh, reason to hijack your immune system with a vaccination, which we've seen is destroying people's lives like crazy. The VAERS reporting system, over 10,000 have already died in worse months. We still have so much more data that are, that's being collected. Um, so to kind of bring it back though, to the, to the issue of loving your neighbor, that's in the declaration. It's not loving your neighbor to hold them to uh, a standard that's something other than God and his law word. And that's where it gets really tricky, especially with the masks. Yeah. And I think, you know, as I uh, read through this, um, it you don't get into that stuff that you were just talking about from your book, the uh, germ theory of disease or vaccinations in specifics. It's right. it's more about the uh, jurisdiction of the church, jurisdiction of the civil authorities, responsibility before God, there's scriptures all throughout this. And um, I guess what I, I would want to pick your brain on, because this is the main really object, I think, of this declaration is this whole Romans 13 defense of we must do whatever the state says, because the state was given by God to uh, for our own good and to punish evil. And, um, you know, it's evil to spread a disease, these kinds of things. So it is our duty. And I've, I've been told this by I don't know how many people, especially towards the beginning of uh, the COVID stuff, the lockdowns that 
I was, uh, because I was kind of bucking the system as well and just saying like, look, this is not right. What we're doing is not, not only is it not biblical, this isn't constitutional. This, this is just way outside of where we should be. And that was the response that I got from a lot of Christians. Um, I'm glad to see a lot of Christians have reversed their, their, their thinking on this, but that thinking is still out there. So kind of in short form, how, how do you respond to that when people just bring up Romans 13? Well, I, you know, I, that's, that's really why we wanted the declaration to be educational. That was part of the goal is to educate people because, because of things like that, like what you just asked about loving your neighbor. Well, isn't it just loving your neighbor? Do you want to kill them? You might breathe on them and cause them to die in sort of dramatic fashion. Um, and then Romans 13, exactly. It gets brought up all of the time as if, as if somehow that is, is the only passage for one that we need to look at. Um, but I also respond to people and say, have you read it? <laughs> because the first two verses, I think, are overlooked, um, especially when we have Paul describing the fact that the magistrate exists because God says it should exist. So it's God's institution to start with. That's just the first presupposition, right? It's God's, God's um, institution. So he gets to decide what that looks like. Um, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to King Jesus as he sits enthroned right now. And his current session is to be ruler and judge of the nations and bringing them to their feet through gospel proclamation. Um, this is, you, you know, you can't just isolate Romans 13, but even if you do clearly the authority unending authority goes to, to God, not man. And so those authority, those authorities that exist, Paul says exist because of God. And so he puts them basically on a, on a, on a tight leash, even, the, even fathers and elders in a church. They're all on a tight leash. They don't have unlimited authority. So they all need to obey in their current juris jurisdictions, um, obey God, knowing that he's the one who has full authority. So even Romans 13, you just can't, you can't use to say, well, whatever the CDC says goes. The CDC isn't even a, a technically a governmental institution. Uh, it's certainly not a, not, a, not a constitutional institution. <laughs> There, there, we have a lot, of, a lot of institutions that aren't constitutional, unfortunately, that are exactly. uh, uh, exerting a lot of control. Uh, one of the things, and I thought this was interesting, you, the declaration even gets into this, is Leviticus 13 and 14, because I don't know why, but um, my mind went to that when, when this whole uh, debacle started last year. And I thought this was going to be used a lot more. It wasn't as much. It was usually Romans 13, but... Um, Leviticus 13 and 14 uh, does uh, carry instructions in the Mosaic law about how leprosy is treated. And so um, the, the statement uh, even gets into that, the declaration. Um, what can you tell me about that? Because there does seem to be some kind of a, um, uh, or, I don't know, for lack of a better term, a um, uh, precedent, I guess, in scripture for some kind of health regulation uh how come that doesn't apply to the situation we're in right now or or does it and how does it yeah, yeah this is this is actually we're finding some people have had trouble with the declaration um just truth be told they 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 love it they they just say well we differ a little bit on that point and and i have to say that it's been somewhat disappointing um engaging with some on the issue because they sort of just assume well, the priest told the guy, man with leprosy to go outside the camp in quarantine. Uh, therefore, the civil magistrate has that authority. So it's based on a couple of assumptions. One, it's assuming that this is primarily a health crisis, and uh, it's, it's not. 
Uh, even Calvin in his commentary talks about this not being, pri- this is not a health crisis issue. I'm paraphrasing. You can read his commentary for yourself on that, on that passage, but uh, he's talking about ritual purity. This is about a, a judicial covenantal obedience thing. It's not biological contagion. Um, so the faulty interpretation also hinges upon some sort of one-to-one direct connection with the Levitical priest to the civil magistrate. Um, if, if anything, you have Levitical priest ideas being instituted by Paul, uh, even in the, in the Romans 15, he, he sort of taught, calls himself a priest in bringing the Gentiles to the, to the gospel. And other than that, you really don't have any sort of inclination that the Levitical priest was acting in a magisterial role. It was a ministerial role. Um, uh, Nabayoshi uh, Kayuchi, he is a professor of Old Testament in Tokyo. I think it's Tokyo Christian University, and he has a commentary on Leviticus that I was digging through thanks to my friend Martin Salbridi from the Chalcedon Foundation. He, he and I were talking about this, and it's interesting, some of his take, because he's, he argues that this, this leprosy, quote-unquote leprosy, is, is um, actually mostly meant to be a portrayal of what uncleanness looks like. It's, it symbolizes hiding yourself. He makes the connection to Genesis 3. Um, and the skin language, remember Adam and Eve, God made skins of the animals and clothed them. And so there's this connection about shame and sin and hiding yourself. And so Leviticus 13 and 14, it's interesting in, in Leviticus 13, 12 and 13, the man appears to the priest and he is covered in head to toe with leprosy and he's pronounced clean and sent back into the community. And that's just glossed over. So the point there is, A, you can't even use that to justify the magistrate's unending authority. And even if you did, they certainly can't mandate and quarantine the healthy. But I'm, not, I'm arguing that passage has nothing to do with biological contagion and can't be used. Yeah, when I heard, well, well I don't even think it was that many people, but people who did bring that up, because I know there were a few. I remember thinking like, so are you like a theonomist now or like, because are you going to start going to all the other passages and in the Old Testament and, and want to uh, apply them in the same way today? And most of them would, they would run as far away from that as they possibly could. They, they don't think that the Old Testament law should be in effect at all, but it's very selective. Um, and so is there a point though, uh, and this, I'm just asking you this personally, um, yeah when the government does, whether that's state, local, or federal, have a responsibility in a maybe a public health crisis of some kind to step in and implement some kind of regulations. And I know, so, so this is maybe going a little past the statement itself or the declaration, but what uh, this is kind of that slippery slope that, that people, if they can kind of get their foot in the door and say, well, that's acceptable, then the rest follows in their mind. So what would you have to say to that? Is there any responsibility there? No, I don't, I don't think that they have any authority at all. If they want to raise the sound, the alarm, fine. But this is connected to a larger issue of your theology of the state, which is something that Christians have really underdeveloped. And, and for me, I see local government, judicial system primarily. We don't need legislators creating new laws. We have the law of God um, to enforce contracts, to punish murders, th- those types of things. So it is kind of, it is outside the declaration. And I'm happy to sort of explain that um, as brief as I can, but I do think that the government, civil magistrates have zero authority in imp- implementing any sort of, any sort of things. And any theonomist will tell you, uh, you know, I, I'm very much a Rush Unionite. I love Christian Reconstruction. Um, uh, I'm, 
I'm open uh, to, you know, growing and learning as I go on, on a lot of those things. And so even theonomists, though, will say, look, we, we see, for example, Leviticus 13 and 14, it's couched inside of other things about menstruation laws. And there are all these purity laws that are meant to, to talk about holiness in the camp. When you're in the camp, you're closer to God. But when you're sent outside the camp, it's because there's a sin issue that you, you're trying to hide. And so, again, that passage shouldn't be used. And, and when, I, when you remove that passage, I don't see any other place in Scripture where you have a magistrate given that authority. So even, even Paul says in Romans 13, they're there to punish evil and, and praise the good. So, you know, if anything, the government might want to put out an emergency message and say, hey, this is a problem, take precaution. But it's the responsibility of families and individuals to use caution and use care. Yeah. And that's how I think it's been primarily. I mean, there's been maybe certain times in which uh, there, there were lockdowns and stuff. You mentioned the Spanish flu. But uh, primarily when there's been quarantines for even back in the day, like mumps and measles and things like that, it was just kind of an expected social convention for lack for, you know, uh, yeah. the way the society functioned. You didn't need police going out and making sure, you know, um, so that that seems to be a cultural shift that yeah. that that self-government, that responsibility that people used to take just kind of as a courtesy and, an, and as a caution. Now we expect this authoritarian central authority to do all the thinking for us and the implementation. And I, I mean, I guess at some point it's just going to be some algorithm in a computer that's going to let us know whether we can even open our door that day. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm half serious, you know, with, because <laughs> things have changed so uh, fast in the last year. And when you look at the social credit system that's happening in China and some people who want to implement it here, I mean, I could see some crazy things happening in the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, as we give seed civil liberties. So this, this statement is a hedge against that. That's, and it is pretty, um, it's pretty basic in my mind. I know it gets into details like we just talked about uh, from Leviticus, but th this is like a lot of people who disagree about a lot of things could sign this, I think. Just basic Christians from cross-denominationally. In fact, I'll just ask, I mean, do you have a lot of people from different denominations? You mentioned LifeSite News. Yeah. Uh, it, it, kind of a wide appeal. I, ironically, I think we had a Buddhist sign it, which I'm like, well, we, we're <laughs> affirming the authority of Christ over all things. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly a gospel witness, no doubt, using it. But yeah, there's been a lot of Presbyterians, Baptists, uh, Reformed, non-Reformed, and we've had a, we've had a lot of great feedback from people because, it, like you said, it should be. We we wanted to be unifying in the sense of look that like we we want to believe the Bible and we want to deal with this situation. So. I mean, we're trying as best we can to get it out as, as much as we can. So I'm thankful for you allowing me to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 some people, people just need to either print it off, give it to their pastor or pastors, print it off and give it to your church people. I mean, that is that simple yeah. um, and, and really tighten up on this theology so that we can have a good response. Well, it's really helpful. I think for just a Bible study in general, there's so many verses in here to think through um, Daniel and Colossians and Matthew and Proverbs and Isaiah. And I mean, mm -hmm. There, there's just so many Romans uh, to just look up all these verses and just for yourself, you know, those who are watching right now, just to think through, okay, how do I view this topic? Um, it's very helpful for that. So I'm, I'm grateful that you all put it together uh, as a guide there. And then people can go to uh, warrantondeclaration.com. It's very easy to sign up. And um, there's many people who have signed. How many, how many right now have signed it? Do you know, do you have a number? I actually don't have any updated numbers, okay. but I think we're at a thousand and growing. 
Okay. But I don't, I don't know that for a fact. So <laughs> gotcha. Lots of pastors though. Uh, and, and I'm just glad the discussion's happening to be honest with you. Cause I, I was getting uh, a little, uh, not afraid, but just, uh, concerned, I guess that, um, so much of the time there's just no discussion on this. And, and especially coming from the perspective of, uh, sus- being suspicious about the overreach of the civil government, et cetera. Um, I think there's a lot of fear out there. I mean, mm-hmm. is that what you attribute it to pastors who, who are run away from this topic? Do you think it's just fear of the government, fear that they're going to be on the record uh, as opposing yeah. the government? Yeah. And maybe the same motivation for why they don't preach against abortion or, you know, deal with other social issues that the church should be leading on. I mean, it may be, you know, they, they don't want to lose their tithe money and their livelihood. And I, and I understand that, but boy, we need to be on the front lines and not, not waiting for this stuff to come to us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly appreciate you talking about it, uh, Pastor Garwood. And um, any, I know you, you mentioned uh, the, your book. Uh, I mentioned the website. Anywhere else you want to send people? Sure. Crosscrownchurch.com, jasongarwood.com. If you guys want to, people want to keep up with what's, you know, what the latest uh, is going on with us. We're very active here in Northern Virginia. So there's a lot of things going on. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, definitely go to the site. That's really what we want to try to emphasize. Go to the website, warrantondeclaration.com and please sign it and share it as much as you can, wherever you can, social media, texting people. Uh, we really want to get the word out because it's super important. Yeah. Awesome. One final question that I forgot to ask earlier. I meant sure. to, were there medical doctors also, and you can be vague about this if you need to be, but were there medical doctors involved in the crafting of this as well in con- consultation uh, or... Um, sort of, um, I, I've made some connections mostly through my work and research with the book. Um, and so a lot of that is kind of connected to developing that theology. So, so I guess maybe indirectly that we've had definitely, definitely several people involved. Um, I'm connected with the children's uh, health defense with, um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And, and uh, Mary Holland, who's there. And so we've, we've, you know, tried to make connections with a lot of people who are in this. Um, so it, not, a, not necessarily a direct, this is mostly a theological treatise. Um, some input was involved with some, but uh, okay. largely it was kind of more on the back end, I should say, you know? Yeah. I, well, I reading it, I figured it, it looked more theological, but I just wasn't sure. And I, I yeah. know that some people had that question probably in the back of their minds as they're listening. Uh, were there any medical and, and sometimes we treat the medical community as if they're their own priests and they're not but uh, but I know that, um, that that knowing that there were some doctors uh, involved or some some people in the medical community uh, does spark curiosity in some people and maybe a willingness to go and check it out more so uh, go check it out uh, Warrington Declaration uh, you can uh, search it in Google it'll come right up but it's warrantondeclaration.com and once again uh, thank you Pastor Garwood for your time Thanks, John. I appreciate it. All right. God bless. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. 
private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.